everything fantastic strange and science fictional i'm your host matt with my co-hosts i'm bert i'm katie we're deep in the middle of december i guess or january now so for listener uh questions this month uh we have a note here uh from Riker in tennessee Riker asked the cast uh what's your favorite science fictional or fantasy creature creature yeah like um, imagine animal i guess like i am a little creature um <laughs> like, all this is good it's all good <laughs> we're just stalling now. okay maybe uh, this is a bad question it's no wrong. it's not bad it's actually good it's just <laughs> hard to think about my favorite sci-fi creature is all them all them cats in that new movie <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me i don't want to watch cats please you know this is a uh, a democracy right bert it's a democratic um, republic all right <laughs> Um, oh, I know. So, legit answer, but no one's going to, I think, uh, get it because it's in a book, and it's also an unfathomable description, but I think it's whatever the biologist turned into in the Annihilation Trilogy, uh, at the very end of the third book, when she's finally, like, described, um, you're just like, my brain hurts trying to comprehend what the fuck this looks like, but it sounded cool as shit, and I love it. And I've looked up a lot of fan art so I can try to comprehend it. Yeah, are we counting like alien race? Creature makes me think like non-anthropomorphic or however you yeah, say Yeah, there's a, um, if we want to get super technical, lacking the level of human sentience. But that also like leaves lots of space for things like Moya from Farscape. Yeah, Moya is not re- like, I mean, I like Moya and all, but it's not really like a real character. It's just a... You know, everybody tells you what Moy is doing. Um, ooh, ooh, I guess what she kind of, sorry, not to interrupt, but the, the, um, description that I'm, that was described, sorry, the description with the book had, um, made it seem like it was an aspidocolone. Aspidocolone. Mm-hmm. Is that a real word in real life? Mm-hmm. 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 What, what is it? What? alone the ass up. Hey! Oh, it's like a ligma thing. Yeah, I would say my favorite creature. My favorite creature is uh, the CDs uh, from. <laughs> uh, I I feel like it would be something from X Files, but see, most things on X Files are anthropomorphic. I this is so hard because I I just can't think of terms of straight sci-fi. I'm sorry, I'm so bad at it. I would say my favorite is the sandworm from Dune. It's a really complex creature. It's terrifically mm-hmm. realized. It's like ecologically interesting. A Frank boy Herbert's becomes the, one. A Frank Herbert's the fucking man, yo. It's a worm. Yeah, I hate worms, but except sandworms. Uh, I guess I'd pick like the weird alien thing in Sphere, but by Michael Crichton. But that's really a cop out because I mean, the book, not the movie. 
Oh, um, this is sort of an aside. Uh, so, like, feel free to edit this out. But speaking of, like, creatures that are, like, described well um, and truly horrific is I've been listening to Old Gods of Appalachia. And the episodes are real short. They're, like, 20 minutes. And it's a, like, it's a horror anthology. So it's, like, narrated as though it's just, like, a, a story, you know, from myth. But it has, like, it's heavily Eldritch-inspired. And I just got to the point where they're describing, like, what these creatures look like. And I'm like, cool, I'm gonna fucking have nightmares about this. This is done really well that I can listen to a podcast without seeing things and be like, sick. Yeah. Eldritch things are the coolest. Like, I feel like something from Dark Souls. But that's not sci-fi. That's, like, fantasy. Speculative fiction, yo. It falls with our umbrella. You gotta stop saying yo at the end of things. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, Eldritch stuff, like, originating from, like, a lot of, like, H.P. Lovecraft is definitely sci-fi. Um, or, I guess, sci-fi horror-ish. Because, like, they're from, you know, the space dimension a lot of the times. Or an underground dimension. Um, sure. They're definitely not part of this world. Except, you know, asterisk, some of it. Um... But I think Eld- actually, like maybe like anything Eldritch horror inspired, hmm. uh, is some of my fa- some of my favorite creatures. Just because, again, like um, they are so far removed from the anthropomorphized like versions that we're used to thinking of. Yeah, and like that's why it makes my brain like kind of squick out a little bit. Speaking of squicking out, <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Mm, not a good segue. There, but okay. I don't have one. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. He will save us. What they got. Never give up and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Continuing our comedy theme this week with a very inspiration we decided to talk about uh one of the best i would argue perhaps the best satirical of star trek that's ever been made galaxy quest i'll be honest i can't remember how i first saw this movie i think probably is like a home dvd vhs rental but um man this movie's just fucking dope this somehow it, people talk about this as like well the eighth best or like they they include in like the favorite Star Trek movies, which is to me a little bit as annoying as people saying like Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but mm. at the same time like it's a really good movie that really imitates Star Trek in a very uh, loving but very funny way. I feel like we can get into that a little later because I I kind of agree with those people that say it's like one of the better Star Trek movies. Um, kind of. I first saw this, I believe, I didn't really see it. I saw like 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes of it. And it was just on TV at one point. 
and it was like the section where they're on the planet and there's the little aliens. So the thing is, is watching that, I did not get the premise of the movie at all because it's just not really spelled out during that sequence. So it's like, oh, this is, it's like a, it's like a Star Trek thing, but they're not, but they're like, it's kind of jokey. And I was like, I mean, that seems cool. But then I just like stopped watching it because I was like, I don't know what's really going on here. You've seen that done a million times before. Um, like, so people have done like a, a joke. Like, it's like, this is like Star Trek, right? I, but, but the thing about the, this movie is so like, it's so good with meta narratives and yeah, it's like satirical to real life things. And the setup is so good that like, if you, I feel like if you missed the first like 30 minutes to an hour, it'd be like, you're really missing like the most important function of the movie for the most part. So yeah, I, I just checked out, but like going back to watch, I was like, oh, that that's what's going on with this. That's why it's so good. Um, yeah, I think it was one of the better like meta comedies for sure. Um, I I don't know how I got to see this. Um, I don't know if I ever saw it all the way through until now. I think I've seen like most of it in like pieces around um, like the last few years, like the last ten years, like definitely not when it came out. Um, so I don't think I quite had the requisite like cult-ish following of it as I maybe should have, but um, I did I did appreciate this movie a lot. I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, it's definitely cheesy, but like in a delightful way. It's just like one of those movies that you want to put on. You're like, I want to watch something and not like think too hard, but still have a good chuckle. I don't know. But also there's action. Anyway, this is that movie for me. I'm good at words. I mean, you didn't say comedy, so I think he did that on purpose, though. It's fine. Comedy, you. So the story of Gossip Girls, for those of you that haven't maybe seen the film, but definitely should after listening to this, uh, Tim Allen, and this is the only movie that has ever made me appreciate Tim Allen, um, (laughs) is the William Shatner of a sci-fi show very similar to Star Trek, and he has his crew, and they are... Uh, 10 or 15 years later after their TV show went off the air, uh, aliens have, real-life aliens, have seen this TV show and regard it as historical fact and believe that he and his crew are actually the people of their adventures. And they recruit them to fight against the evil monster, Ceres, uh, played by uh, the guest star from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, who played Giles' nemesis. I forget his name. Okay. <laughs> It's a deep cut. And um, Robin something, I think. There's so many more important people in this movie, but go on. (laughs) The aliens recruit Tim Allen and his crew to fight their evil uh, nemesis. Uh, Along the way, they discover all the tropes of every Star Trek sci-fi movie ever and save the galaxy and then return to Earth as triumphant heroes to a convention. Yeah. I think, well, for me, like rings so something uh i saw a tweet someone make and i can't find it right now who made it i think it was a comedian um that i follow i believe she remarked the best satires aren't when you're satirizing something that you don't like but when you satirize something that you love and this for me is like a, a great demonstration of that this is a movie made with a deep amount of affection and love for star trek and for the fan community this is someone that like even just like the casting design to, for it, to me, say this is a person who knows 
the Star Trek community or like like the the fan they've been around fan things like the convention stuff if you've ever been to a Star Trek convention I will tell you this movie is a very faithful portrayal of them at least it was you know 20 years ago when the I went to one as a kid the way that fans take nuances or little bits of a TV show and treat it as if it's real and then come to the actors and be like, well, if the dilithium crystals had melted down in that one episode, um, how did you reverse inject the tachyon emitters to boost the Bassard collectors? And that, Mm -hmm. like, expecting the actors to, like, get that big, oh, well, if you just, like, recrystallize the dilithium crystals, um, that allows you to re-energize your warp field and provide a static warp bubble that allowed the stem to close the nebula. Did you write all that down or did you just make that up? Made it up right now. I'll tell my head. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I will qualify what you're saying because I I agree with it. But I I think the important thing for me here is that this, and and I'm I'm sure on the same page, this wasn't like, it does have the affection for that, but like it very clearly, it doesn't feel like it was made or written by like a Trekkie, like a fan, a, a hardcore fan. It feels like it was made by somebody on the inside. Like if Brent Spiner had made a movie about his experiences that was like a comedic takeoff of that that i would feel like that would be what this was like um like it definitely feels like somebody somebody that was behind the scenes during all this nonsense had made the movie but they still had an appreciation for it for sure um like they also made a documentary on this movie that i didn't watch but maybe i should have but like it has like a bunch of people who like make sci-fi movies being like this is one of my favorite movies of all time um, so, like, I think it's definitely, like, really appreciated within and without, like, outside of the community as well, of, like, people who actually, like, make this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm with you there, Bert. I mean, if it was made by a Trekkie, it would probably be unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, you're so close to it that you can't distance yourself from it. Like, the, there is a level of, like, self-seriousness that I think... So here's the, here's the deal, Bert. I think a quote-unquote Trekkie could have written this. I don't think a Trekker could have written this. Like, someone who would, like, insist on that nomenclature of, like, I'm serious about my fan. I have no idea what the difference is. With... Me either. So, so growing up as a Star Trek fan, the idea was Trekkies are the fun, less serious Star Trek fans, and the Trekkers are like, I'm... They have many clans in, in the Trekkie universe that I don't oh, even yeah. know about. Uh, I mean... I'm steeped in the lore, dude. I'm gonna be honest, it's all the same to me. Like, I mean, I like Star Trek, but the the thing is, is I probably wouldn't go to a convention, because that's, like, the delineation for me, is are you, <laughs> <laughs> are you obsessive enough to go to a convention to hang out with other Star Trek people and see, like, the answer's no. B-list actors? And if the answer is no, you are not a Trekkie, and if the answer is yes, you are a Trekkie, it doesn't matter if you're a Trekker or a Trekkie, you went to the convention... <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that but i mean you know they have trekkies in this movie and it's it's the the way this movie toys with like meta narratives is so it's so fascinating just the way like the that's the plot keeps looping around to examine like that side of fiction and writing it's 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 very very interesting can you give me an example i mean it, it kind of just builds and builds and builds because at the very start you get like Here's the actors. Uh, most of them don't really care about being on this damn show. Um, Tim Allen kind of does care, but I, I feel like he really cares about being the number one on the show as opposed mm-hmm. to being on the show. 
Um, this is an ego gratifying exercise for him. Like he's, that's he's what the Bill, film is He's Bill for. Shatner, which is great casting, by the way, because like you said, I I hate Tim Allen, and if I see him, I'm usually like, why why do I have to see him on the screen? I don't like him. Um, but here it works because he's like not really playing. I don't know. He's playing Bill Shatner. He has like some charm, but he's you know <laughs> I mean I like I guess I like Bill Shatner more than Tim Allen for sure but it's definitely like Bill Bill's the type of guy I would I would think if I was if I was in the room with him and we were talking um it would be really fun for 30 minutes and then I'd be like all right I've had enough of this dude I don't want to listen to him <laughs> get tired of his shtick Tim Allen probably like 10 minutes when you're doing coke in the bathroom or whatever it's like get the fuck out of this bathroom <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, he's playing the he's playing the archetypes, and that you know they have the archetypes of the whiz kid, which is not only you know Wesley Crusher from Next Generation, but also like um, Lost in Space, like Will Robinson, you know the precocious child wit genius. Who was the whiz uh, kid? Um, that was Laredo. Uh, he was the, the helmsman, the pilot. Yeah, the pilot. Man, I didn't think of him as the whiz kid. That's well, but again, from the if you watch the old clip, the clips they show in the movie, he is. Like eight, nine years old, as he's like pouting the. Oh the right, he's the kid in the. That's right, he's the kid in the original show. But he's yes. the he's the Will Eaton. Yes, yes, but, but I didn't but, think but of him that other. way because they barely show him as a kid. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's mostly grown up. So yeah, so you have him. You have you know the highly trained actor who takes everything so seriously, played to the hilt by. Alan Rickman. Uh, Rickman, who is fantastic. Just, oh my god, he, he knows exactly his role and plays it so well. Uh, does Alan? Did Alan Rickman just straight up legitimately disdain Tim Allen? Because I feel like he did, and it made it better. It feels like it. It it honestly feels like it, it's again. This movie is full of, um. So, on the screen, you're watching actors acting on a show that they don't like acting in, but also meta narratively, you are watching actual actors play actors and they may not even like playing those actors who are acting like it's (laughs) it's so many levels of of you know inception at that point it's like i don't like (laughs) it it hits the point with with alan rickman that i'm sure it just loops back around where he's like great i have a fucking purple thing on my head and i have to be around tim allen all the time and this fucking sucks and you know what hell i'm in hell yeah it's like the director's like okay alan your motivation is you hate saying this line this stupid line and he's like yeah i I, it's okay i don't need motivation (laughs) (laughs) i got it um it 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 actually gets really weird with sigourney weaver it's so weird like so the the shirt thing like there's a weird dichotomy because tim allen gets his shirt ripped off which is i mean it's fine because that is bill shatner if, if it ever was you know like it's it's a goofy thing when you watch star trek and William Shatner just loses his shirt and you're like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's just stupid. Um, and you know, like it, it's probably in his contract somewhere. Um, but they make like a few jokes in the movie about Sigourney Weaver being like, you know, boob lady or whatever. And so as, as satire, it's like, okay, sure. But then like at the end of the movie, she actually is like practically in her bra in the events that are actually taking place in the movie, it's kind of like, yep. was this necessary? I don't know how to square this at all. Like it's, it's, it's still meta, but it's like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's not even really a joke at that point. It's like, Hey, check it out. We got Sigourney weaving her bra. It's like a little uncomfortable is what I would say. <laughs> hmm. Fair. Um, 
Yeah. Well, she was also, I think, in that level of uh, undress in Aliens as well at some point. So. Was she? Well, yeah. You see a lot of Sigourney Weaver's ass crack in Aliens. And also, like, she's That's just true. in, like, a tank, you know, and sweating and, like, just taking off, like, her her uh, suit, right? Like, well, it, in Aliens, the uh, the suit is way more practical. It's, like, just a jumper. Uh, I guess, like, just one big, instead of cargo pants, like, that's what, you know, the, the jumpsuit is. Um, but, you know, taking it off because it's, like, hot and sweaty and, you know, I it never makes f- sense then. Um, you know, like, you don't see it. Like, it's definitely, like, not sexualized Exactly, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Right, and I think, like, this is almost, like, a like a callback to that, right? Like, of the strong female character. Here's a good example, right? And then here's right. this joke example, so. Yeah, I, I mean, the the... The character idea makes sense because I mean, the, I mean, like in Star Trek, who like the thing is, there's a lot of Star Trek characters who apply to that. It's, it's a blend kind of like of Deanna Troy in Seven yes. of Nine and um, Uhura, you know, the the woman interacting with the computer system, or like the Yeoman. Uh, what is her? Yeah, name? Yeoman Rand. Yeah, Yeoman Rand. Yeah. Um, there, the, there's the great scene where they're in the conference room. <laughs> the computer. She's like, I have one damn job. I'm gonna do it. Then she's fucking talking to the computer. She's like, computer, where are the ber- what are they? Beryllium spheres. Beryllium spheres. Where are yeah. the beryllium spheres? The computer's like, the beryllium spheres are on the nearby planet three x seven, and she's like, the beryllium spheres are on the nearby. I'm like, this is great. I just love it. Um, it's an incredibly tight script. Like all the yeah, I think it's something that we don't always like think about so well but just like every little moment is well done for the most part um even tony shalhoub being really high i love tony shalhoub in this i i think one of the biggest laughs i got in this movie is when he's doing the you know the the crystals cannot take it anymore captain and they just cut to him in the engine room and there's a guy like doing a flip in the background and he's like (laughs) uh they said uh, the the uh, <laughs> engine, it's not going to, you, you can't keep doing that. And then it's just, gonna... <laughs> I'm like, I love him. No, he's like hanging, like, he's like clutching a pole and being like blown backwards. Yeah, but he's like, hanging from like care. a windstorm. Just... Is he supposed to be on drugs? What is his deal? Like, is he just, I don't know what's he... going. The idea for him is that one, he is an ethnically ambiguous character. Like, yes. That was a purposeful design to him. And he plays the the guy that just sort of doesn't. He's just kind of unflappable. Um, he, <laughs> he doesn't get he like, has, worked up over everything. Yes, yeah. I mean, he has sex with the tentacle lady, and the tentacles come out, and he's just like, eh, "Fuck it." <laughs> and then, I mean, we get, like this cast, like everyone is so well cast to the point of like um, guy Sam Rockwell. Man. Yeah, Sam Rockwell is insane in this film. Like the red shirt jokes for me are the, actually the that's excellent yeah the, well the, they're in a way they're the most obvious and so the ones that actually don't work for me but Guy Fleegman reacting and being like I don't have a name right. I die right him taking it seriously works. is great like him him saying like oh this is that episode where I died like like he's convinced that he's going he's screwed at like every possible thing because that's what he's used to on the show so. So like he's he's uh, well, yeah like you said it's the meta narrative piece of like yeah he's a character that you know where everyone else is like well I got to play out my role he's pushing back against his role because his role means he dies yeah he does not want to play his his 
his one shot role where he's going to die at the end of the episode. Who is he? Ta- Tasha Yar? Or... <laughs> well, he's just a red shirt, I guess. I th- yeah. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a name, so yeah, he's. And there was there was less uh, random crewmen dying in TNG than there was in TOS. TOS, there's like. The intro sequence was like we was have to like knock off. all of the landing crew yeah. dies. Yeah, yeah, we have to knock off someone like per landing crew <laughs> yeah. just to make sure that like we understand that there's serious stakes involved. Yeah. Um, see, the funny thing is, like, I-, I feel like there's it's mostly TOS. Like the the parallels to TOS are very clear. But Alan Rickman, like, so I guess he would be Spock in that case. But he's so he's so Jean Luc Picard, like. Oh, I was reading him more honestly, Brent Spiner. But I know that I that's that's me with like received knowledge because I know that Brent Spiner has had in the past a somewhat antagonistic relationship with the Star Trek fandom. Sometimes hmm. I'm sure he's the one Patrick Stewart the has too. Though Patrick Stewart is kind of interesting. This is again super backstory or received knowledge, whatever. When um. Patrick Stewart was on TNG. He felt a big responsibility to the cat, the crew, especially. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this, like um, semi-famous anecdote of where in season two, the cast was just like goofing off around and having a laugh and having lots of fun. And um, he got really mad. <laughs> the producers. Yeah. The producers called everyone in. is like, listen, y'all have to like, stop doing this. And uh, Patrick Stewart was the one that was like, yo, we need to get our shit together because people have families. <laughs> Those are the exact words he used. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yo, we got to get our shit together. That's what Patrick Stewart said. <laughs> uh, if I had a better Patrick Stewart, I'd try that one. That's fine. But the, the point was that um, he's the one that kind of took it not seriously in the sense of like people weren't taking the job seriously, but like in terms of care for the crew and, and respecting other people's like labor. I think that's where Patrick Stewart really came in. Um, yeah. And I mean, even like Shatner is classically trained himself. Like Shatner is a, a Shakespearean actor. He's from Canada, but he's RSC. Yeah. Um, Except he's over the top. So. Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, I read him as, again, that, that sort of character of definitely a Spock-ish person. But mm-hmm. like, and, and I mean, Nimoy, you know, struggled a lot too. Like Nimoy spent a lot of time trying to s- distance himself from the show and do his own creative endeavors beyond star trek and didn't mm-hmm. want to be defined as like spock like i think one of it didn't have a book like i am not spock and then like i am spock like yeah but either way alan rickman is He's phenomenal fantastic. in the role there's a lot of great like comedic like timing thing like pregnant pauses in this movie are great like the the um <laughs> he delivers the line for the commercial he says he says by grab thar's hammer huge pause it's like 10 seconds like what a savings <laughs> and it's just like the funniest thing um oh the gilligan's island thing where there's the big the big like the, he mentions gilligan's island and everybody goes like stops oh, the, the poor people poor people <laughs> um and it's a lot of like it's it's a lot of these actors in totally ludicrous roles taking it like dead serious which again is a meta thing because that's what the original star trek actors had to do you know um how do you feel about the aliens like what are they called the the thermians thermians that's right like how do you because they're definitely doing wacky alien for a lot of the movie like yeah 
But it, um, apparently the the monotone thing, like the sing songy monotone, mm-hmm. um, was an invention of the main actor who played um, Balthazar. Yeah, yeah, that was a product of Enrico Colantano, Tony, Tony, Enrico Colantoni. He's really good. No, he's great. I I love the aliens. I think they are super fun. Um, and my favorite relationship is the one between Dr. Lazarus or Alexander and the Thermian that says, like, I look to you as my father. Yeah. Like, that's, like, this, like, weird, poignant moment. It's in... a little, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's a little bit of a, like, it's a very, it's a very quick leap to we need some emotional bonding <laughs> to happen. It's definitely like, it's like, I've known you five minutes, by the way, I love you. Like, well, okay. There's a very interesting through line where he's based. That character is basically like, um, the guy that runs up to Tim Allen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same. He's just a Trekkie, even though he's an alien, <laughs> just the weirdest thing. I think the idea of like them being holog- like having uh, holographic images of themselves yeah. portrayed as like, it's a perfect budgetary cost savings thing. Um, that's just so good. I just kept thinking about uh, how much better Mars attacks would be if all the aliens were just people going. Ack, <laughs> ack, 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 ack. Everyone, they're just Billy Joel. They're all Billy Joel. <laughs> that uh, Missy great. Pyle is one of the aliens, and she's phenomenal. Um, is she the? Like, is she from like? What is she from? Is she from that NCIS show? She looks like that Maybe. NCIS. Oh, I think lady. that's where she's from. Yeah, but she's way the better in this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very good in this. Rain Wilson's first, yep. uh, first movie role. Yeah, he there's some of, like little anything. gems you see in the background. Justin Long's first like major. Oh, oh man, five minutes left in the movie. Kevin McDonald shows up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. <laughs> we got Kevin McDonald in the movie. I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, he doesn't get to do much, but hey. He would have been great with Tony Shalhoub's character. Is there a fandom or a TV show that you all would love to see have the Galaxy Quest treatment? You mean like done lovingly? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Hmm. I hate done lovingly. <laughs> I could probably think of one. Um, most fandoms yeah. are trash is the problem. They yeah. just devour themselves. <laughs> um, I think I think X Files deserves a good Galaxy Quest um treatment. Has there been okay. like David Duchovny is like rather egotistical these days mm. um i don't know love... anderson is still a gem though i don't know for sure that's the thing like i would i would have to imagine someone cast that could like have her absolute command while also dealing with the weird horned up sex ball that is her co-star <laughs> like i think it's just that, that for me like <laughs> that would be premise... kind of fun okay i'm kind of into that uh is uh is lily tomlin still around i hate that one so? episode Oh my god, there's that one Christmas episode. It's the worst, but also the best. Ooh. And it's got Lily Tomlin in it, and it's so good. Fuck. <laughs> but also the worst, but also the best. Oh, like, it made me angry, but, like, now, but, like, I'm, I'm compelled to, like, rewatch it. Because it's Lily Tomlin. Um, um, man. I, like, I'm thinking TV shows. And it's just like, like Star Wars has already been done by Spaceballs. Like that's like the satire that, and that yeah. like kind of hits and misses. Yeah, well, it's Mel Brooks, so that's that's how I well, generally I mean, feel Mel about Mel Brooks's hits and misses. Like he has. His well, moments. I mean, certain like yeah, like Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, I think, are far superior to Spaceballs. Like yeah, Spaceballs is too on the nose. Yeah, well, Mel Brooks. I feel like it's probably it's definitely already been done, but more the the 
sorted sandals fantasy thing the the kind of you know hard fantasy not hard i don't know what you call it just traditional fantasy swords and sorcerers and dragon shit that would probably have been better in the 80s though because that was everywhere frank Frazetta fan- fantasy i guess um, yeah like D D would i'd be good with that i feel um, like there's definitely been a movie i just can't think there have been a it. few i think but i don't think they've been done well they um, definitely weren't done lovingly Yes. Well, is is can um, as I'm thinking about it, like I imagine like a Game of Thrones thing, uh, a treatment of Galaxy Quest. I imagine how hard that Fuck would that. be. See, I hate that um, fandom, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the thing is, like, and plus, is it, Game is of Thrones is humorless. To, so, well, is it possible to do satire like Galaxy Quest now? Like, this movie is what 15 years old. And there's More? definitely a way to do satire like yeah. it's done now, like for sure. Yeah. So, Galaxy Quest is almost exactly. Uh, twenty years old or thirty years old? Did, what? No, it's Galaxy not. Galaxy Quest it's 20 is like twenty. Years <laughs> twenty years old. Yes. Don't sorry. do that. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, we went uh, through a time portal. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's kind of weird. The MacGuffin at the end of the movie. We didn't really talk about that at all. The thirteen seconds thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a tight script for comedy, but it is kind of funny. Like when when they're like, "Oh, there's a total MacGuffin." Yeah, like the. Uh, I kind of wish Machina. they would more like make fun of it as a MacGuffin because they don't really make fun of it. They're like, "Ah, it either does it either destroys everything in the whole universe or whatever, or it takes you 13 seconds back in the past." I'm like, I wonder which one it's gonna do during this movie <laughs> when it's convenient to do so. Uh, I mean, I just wish they'd make fun of it more. Like, they don't really. It's just the plot device. It's fine. It could be a lot worse. You could definitely... See, the thing is, I, I don't necessarily... Maybe... It may be true that satire is better if it appreciates the subject matter, but I'm still totally fine with satire just totally demolishing whatever it's making fun of. So, if you're going to do a Game of Thrones satire, just just full-on make fun of that shit. Just, yeah, I'd, I'd see that demolished. Yeah. I'd, I'd totally just, be for that. Yeah. Spaceballs is still kind of loving. It would be nice to have something just make fun of Star Wars, like, straight up. Like, ha, this is dumb. With Rise of the Skywalker out, we'll see how that goes in the next few years. Well, the problem is, like, Disney doesn't have that sense of humor Oh, God, it. they'll send the lawyers after you, fuckers. Well, and I can't imagine, like, you know, a, a movie studio taking a film concept like this and doing something with it in, like, 2019. Oh, this... No... This wouldn't make it past, like, the script uh, stage today. Because this is... Okay, the funny thing is, this movie is not subtle at all. It is very obviously like, haha, look, it's a joke on Star Trek. But this would be too subtle to be made today. Because it's not an established... You'd have to put Star Trek in the time... Or, or some kind of obvious... You know what I mean? Th- this is an original movie by today's standards. Even though it's, like a satirical takeoff on something like that is very original by what we do today because everything's an adaptation or a remake and i mean everybody knows this i'm just ranting but <laughs> just saying like this would be a dare to release this movie now um i don't even know if it would make money did it make money no it was a flop galaxy quest mm-hmm. by sucks. by box office standards it only doubled up these days it wouldn't even do that Maybe it would in the foreign market, but I mean... Or it would just be like straight to Netflix or like a prime thing. This is a Black Mirror. It's the Black Mirror episode that they already have, yeah. which by this, this, uh, um, I remember watching the episode be like, that was a really good episode. And now I watched this. So I was like, oh, they ripped that off. That's why. 
Do you have any? What What would you? Well, you said X Files, right? Hmm. For me, that'd be X Files. I think X Files is the one that has the most like sort of tropes that you can play with. Um, it doesn't Peaks have like the fun. cultural consciousness to trade with. Like the reason I think Galaxy Quest works so well is because these characters exist in a cultural zeitgeist, like in the way that like Star Wars characters do as well. Mm. Like Luke Skywalker is part of a collective cultural unconscious or consciousness and that's star trek that's captain kirk captain or you know commander spock like dr mccoy these relationships are things that a lot of people know or at least they used to i mean you could probably argue that star trek's relationships and cultural capital is fading recently um, from cultural memory yeah these days game of thrones minute has already passed it would be comic book movies but again i i have no love for <laughs> I, I mean, I like comic books as a medium, and I like some of the writers, but... Well, any satire of comic book movies would end up being Watchmen, and people have already, like... That's not satire. Failed. Fuck that. It's failed. not well, satire. I think that sort of... People would read that commentary on the meta-narrative of superheroes. They, that was what Watchmen, um, the original comic, like that's what they'd compare it to and draw from. Well, that's... But it's Watchmen not... Was, was not satire, and... It was important because it also heralded in like a whole new age of comics and how right. characters were written. Um, so it wasn't. It definitely wasn't satire. Like there may be some like critiques there, but it none of it was meant to be humorous. It was sort of all meant to drag this idea of like the perfect untouchability of superheroes and you know what idol worship can do. Yeah, Watchmen is basically like. Hey, you remember the golden age of comics and the silver age of comics? Fuck that. Like, that's not... It it isn't really saying fuck that. It has some sort of reverence to it, but it's like saying this is, you know, this is the new age. We're not interested in that anymore. Um, So, I mean, if you think fuck that is satirical, sure. I mean, it's I think it's the meta-narrative, the commentary that people are going to look for. Um, sure, but... I mean, you know, the problem is we talk about Watchmen now. We're talking the the shitty movie or the shitty TV show they have out. So, I mean, which I'm you could call those comic. things. I know, but you could call those things sat- satires of the comic. It's not, like they're not. They're just really bad versions. But I think I, people looking yeah. for that commentary is what I'm saying. Like they're they're going to look to Watchmen. Okay, as, I see what you're saying. As like as a, that like yeah. that's the that's the commentary that we would. If we were, if we, because they wouldn't make it new. That's I see. what I'm saying. It's like they wouldn't take like a new commentary on things. Like Galaxy Quest was a technically a new product. Yeah. Commenting on Star Trek, they would take a existing property, adapt it, and then be like, "Oh, this is our commentary." Yeah, that sucks. That. Yeah, I see what oh, you're totally saying. They, they do a reboot of something and then make it different, so it acknowledges the current. Yeah, I, I would just like a movie that makes fun of the Avengers or whatever. With the fucking laser shooting up in the sky and all the people punching each other. I would just like some visual gags and some hilarious meta commentary on how, how much all that sucks. But, you know, Disney will call their lawyers. <laughs> well, I think, and maybe that's why Galaxy Quest works so well. Yes. Is that because it has this, the TV show kind of concept that is a meta narrative within the show, or within the movie, I should say. And that the aliens believe that helps add to that ironic layer that we have in the movie. Like, Again, the a, aliens are just Trekkies. layer cake. The, the aliens are literally equivalent to the Trekkies at the convention. They're the same. <laughs> They're, they both have the same reverence for the actors. It's just like 
the aliens' lives depends on it, whereas the Trekkies... Well, see, symbolically, the Trekkies' lives depends on it. See, that's the whole thing. The whole movie is very, like... It actually has themes in it, even though it's a goofy satire of Star Trek. Like, you really watch it and go, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. And they're actually trying to say things in this, in this like, really silly movie. They're trying to, like, pose questions and, uh, I don't know, like, analyze the source material in ways that are interesting. Whereas, you know, it's, you know, it's not Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm at Refreshing Time for my main posts about how impeachment doesn't really matter and at Coriolis Music for my music. Moving on. Um, I'm at Anime Weed Fart 69 being simultaneously sad and horny on Maine. You can find me on Twitter at a very big bear. Uh, follow the cast at Second Star Cast and wherever you can get your podcast. Please rate and review. We really appreciate uh, your comments and supports. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week.